It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the final episode of this week of Locked on Vikings. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you got off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. You can find this show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. And of course... You can find this show by asking your smart device to play podcast Locked on Vikings. And today we're going deep into a preview of the Green Bay Packers. We talked yesterday with Peter Bukowski of Locked on Packers in Crossover Wednesday, so do go check that out. But today we're going to go a little bit deeper and I'll talk a little bit about what I think some of the keys to the game are going to be and some of the stuff that's going to be like worth watching. Things that'll, you know, influence the outcome of the game more than they usually would just because of the matchup. But first we need to talk about some of the news. Of course, this is going to be the podcast where I talk about the injury report, the only one that we have just because of the way that things are scheduled here at Locked On Vikings. Uh, I only get to go off of the first one every time. You know, last week Stefan Diggs missed a day of practice and everybody freaked out. Turned out that he played and then the Vikings didn't end up needing him because of the way the game went. Uh, But today on the injury report, obviously uh, Mackenzie Alexander didn't participate with his elbow injury, although he was doing stretches on the side. Uh, We'll see how long that sidelines him for. Mike Zimmer mentioned in a a presser, a post-practice presser, that, you know, he he insinuated that there's a chance that Mackenzie Alexander plays, but from Mike Zimmer, that doesn't mean anything. You know, he said, I think it was Sam Ekstrom who said that that was like it could be a 1% chance or a 99% chance and Mike Zimmer could be talking about either of those. So it's like not very meaningful. He's just trying to not answer the question as best he can. But not surprising that Mackenzie Alexander is going to miss some practice here. Uh, But what was surprising is that Pat Elfline with a knee injury did miss a little bit of practice and that Dakota Dozier took his reps with the ones during practice. So that is worth unpacking a little bit, right? So Pat Elfline has a knee issue that is kind of concerning because knee issues tend to linger Uh, but you know obviously we'll have to monitor that and see what kind of knee issue we're talking about Uh, but in the meantime it is interesting that Dakota Dozier was getting the reps and not Brett Jones like a lot of people thought I think if you had to ask me I would say that Brett Jones outplayed Dozier in the preseason but perhaps Dozier just based off of versatility was more entitled to the roster spot and that's why Jones was the one who was cut for a week when they needed Brandon Dillon Uh, but this insinuates that they actually just thought that Uh, Brett Jones was outplayed by Dakota Dozier, and that's really, really interesting. So obviously you're going to have to look uh, at the the next couple of practice reports. Generally, the rule of thumb here is if they don't practice all week, they're out. But if they come back at any point, even in a limited basis, for situations like Pat Elfline, where it's probably, you know, something more minor, something that just just now came up, uh, you know, if, if he practices at all this week, it's more likely that he goes. And if he doesn't, then we actually have no idea how severe it is. Uh, you know, with situations like Mike Hughes, who was limited again in on the Wednesday injury report, that's a, a little bit of a different situation. He could be limited through a whole week of practice and then not play on Sunday, like what happened uh, last week. Although there is also a chance that Mike Hughes comes and plays, and we'll talk a little bit more about that a little later. And elsewhere in news, this isn't so much something that will affect the team, but it's 
it's cool to highlight is uh, Anthony Harris was named the NFC Defensive Player of the Week. That's a, a really cool honor and one that he absolutely earned, one that we all could have predicted after watching that game. I mean, you're going to pick off Matt Ryan twice and pick up a fumble and like contribute even more beyond that. Like, of course, you're going to get the Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, there was a cool tweet circulating. I'll see if I can't find it and put it in the show notes. Uh, a, a press release from Vikings PR of like all of the people who have won NFC Player of the Week for defense, offense, special teams since Mike Zimmer took over and the list is like way longer than you think and that's pretty cool like eight of the 11 starters I think is the number is is the count uh, eight of the current 11 starters have gotten that honor and it's really cool to see that kind of recognition for a defense that a lot of people I guess have been writing off I mean the last two crossover Wednesdays I've had had like the first question is like yeah so the defense isn't good anymore right or you know the like it's it, there's a lot of doubt creeping in about the defense and I think that that's kind of uh, a symptom of kind of exhaustion with the Vikings defense. They've been good since 2015. And when one unit is good for a long time, you kind of get bored of them and you stop thinking of them as, you know, the, the premier defense. Like everybody thinks of Chicago now, and maybe Chicago is better than Minnesota. That's not really the debate that I'm trying to have here, but I see that happen all the time. in like the draft, the example I always come up with is uh, Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa was basically the number one defensive player in that draft for like the whole pre-draft process until the very end it seemed like people just kind of got sick of him and then everybody suddenly was like is Joey Bosa like even worth being picked in the top 10 and then the Chargers take him third overall he's been a superstar like everybody kind of knew until they overthought it and I feel like people are maybe overthinking the Vikings defense a little bit all these players are still very good I mean the age thing all these guys are like just now hitting 30 or 31 they're still not that far off their prime and you know projecting a big fall off for the defense just based on like age or like being bored with them I don't know it just it never really added up to me and and I don't really foresee an issue with the defense moving forward or any other issue than some of the issues that we've always had which are few and far between to be honest hey are you having a long day at the office or maybe you're still stuck at the office or maybe you're stuck watching a very intense football game open the DoorDash app choose what you want to eat and your food will be delivered to you where Wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off of their first order of 15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKED. On. And by the way, speaking of watching football games, if you're the kind of person that likes to go to games, get tickets, or maybe just get tickets to concerts or shows, uh, why don't you check out Vivid Seats? Vivid Seats is an online ticket marketplace, and the cool thing about it is that every time you buy a ticket, you are automatically enrolled in their rewards loyalty program and what that means is when you were buying tickets to events that you were going to buy tickets to anyways let's be honest you're going to a game uh, and if you are going to a game you buy tickets with vivid seats you get to earn credit back that can eventually go toward a later event a concert a show a game ticket whatever so go to the app store or google play download the vivid seats app it lets you sort by section row price all kinds of stuff and they have tickets for all the shows that you could ever want. And so you know it's legit, Vivid Seats is backed by a 100% satisfaction guarantee. And by the way, if you enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout, you'll save up to $100. So go check out the Vivid Seats app today. Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the Lockdown Podcast Network. In this crazy, unprecedented, and unnerving time, I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down? 
The Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash locked on NBA. Stuck at home, want fitness? Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours. And you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to add some new knowledge and get a little smarter in your free time, Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass.com slash P-E-R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. That's lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and uh, respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing. All right, so let's talk about the actual Green Bay Packers. And I want to start on uh, the defensive side of the ball for the Vikings, so how we are going to contain Aaron Rodgers and the the new look Matt LaFleur offense, right? So Matt LaFleur comes from a very similar coaching tree to Gary Kubiak, and so far, at least in preseason and in week one and stuff, we've seen a lot of the same concepts coming from both Minnesota's and Green Bay's offense. They're going to be doing a lot of the same stuff. We're going to see a lot of play action, a lot of bootlegs, And I think the first point that I want to bring up, because I think this is really where the game is going to be decided, at least on this side of the ball, is on Green Bay's play action attempts. For one, how often they use it, because I've seen a lot of Packers media really frustrated that they didn't use it enough against Chicago. Maybe they didn't feel like their run game was good enough, even though that's kind of been debunked. We've talked about that a ton on this podcast. Uh, You might want to just go back and listen to some old episodes if if you're interested in that. I won't go down that rabbit hole this time. Um, But, you know, maybe they just don't feel confident that their play action will actually sell or they didn't in that game so they didn't use it enough and and Packers media and fandom has been really frustrated with that so if that takes place again against Minnesota I would feel great about Minnesota's chances because play action in 2018 was one of the best ways to kind of take advantage of the Vikings defense some of the worst uh, performances that Minnesota put up on defense was because of heavy play action styles I think the Bills used it a ton the Rams obviously did it a ton that's how they took the entire NFC last year And it's something that Mike Zimmer identified in the offseason is like, this is something that we are going to like strive to improve first and foremost, you know, of all the things that the defense needs to improve on, which again, the list is kind of short. defending play action is definitely one of them. And so how do you defend play action as a defense? Well, you have to read the keys properly. And basically the reason that play action is so effective in today's NFL, or at least this is my theory for it, is that offensive linemen are getting better at selling their keys. So when you're a defender, and and if you ever played or coached defense, this shouldn't be news to you. Uh, When you are a defender, you are basically telling your, you're telling your players uh, to watch the offensive line. If the offensive line lines up in a certain way, if they come out of their their stance a certain way, that can usually tell you pass or run without having to actually look at the quarterback and if they're faking handoff. But offensive linemen are getting better at faking it, at essentially, you know, doing run blocking in situations where it's actually a a play action pass. The Vikings actually have been really good at it, especially weirdly Case Keenum was amazing at running this and that 2017 offensive line was like incredible at this. Now Green Bay is going to work in a lot of the same play action concepts that we had been covering all throughout camp. A lot of under center play action, a lot of bootlegs and rollouts and stuff. And you can get really, really smashed by that if you aren't reading your keys properly. So you have to, defenders basically have to learn how to read stuff differently than they have their whole lives and how defenders like are making that transition is kind of making or or breaking careers right now it's it's really becoming a huge deal and there's all kinds of examples of you know players reading the keys wrong and biting on play action even though it's like third and eight or even though you know the main running I mean I saw 
uh, clips from the Dallas Giants game last weekend uh, where Ezekiel Elliott wasn't even in the game and the defense was still biting on play action, even though it was like pretty obvious that if Zeke's not in the game, they're probably not going to run the ball. But it's like, it's a a reflex thing, right? It's a muscle memory thing. It's an instinct thing, not necessarily something that, you know, you're going to be able to like have time to like think about and process every play. So the Vikings are basically working on all this, or at least that's kind of what Mike Zimmer has sold to us. So this will be a good test because I think that the Packers, assuming that they don't get in their heads in the same way that they did against Chicago, and I would kind of hope that they wouldn't, or at least I would if I were a Packer fan, it'll provide a good test. It'll provide like a good sample of, of play action defense that, you know, how do the Vikings respond to all this and and can they stop themselves from getting beat in coverage now I would be remiss if I talked about the Packers offense without talking about Devontae Adams he is far and away their best receiver and so you know how is Green Bay going to use them well to do this we kind of have to put ourselves in like Matt LaFleur's shoes how is Matt LaFleur going to use Devontae Adams how would you use your one good receiver if, you know, you're going up against a defense like the Vikings. Well, so the Vikings usually have Xavier Rhodes shadow Devontae Adams nowadays. And so if you want to get Adams away from Xavier Rhodes, which if I'm Green Bay, I I definitely want to get him away from Xavier Rhodes. What I would do is I'd put him in the slot because Xavier Rhodes has followed receivers into the slot before. He followed Julio into the the slot last weekend. Uh, But he's a little less comfortable in the slot, obviously. He's, you know, an outside corner that uses the sideline very well. So if you take the sideline away from him, that's one less tool that Xavier Rhodes gets to use. And what that creates is a dynamic where, and I'm, I'm thinking about this in uh, 11 personnel with three wide receivers, though the Packers haven't used that a ton. So if there's extra tight ends, this gets a little weird too. But assuming there's three wide receivers and you have Devonte Adams in the slot and two outside receivers, well, let's look at how the Vikings corners are doing. We don't know about Mackenzie Alexander or Mike Hughes. If one of those two guys plays, both of those guys have actually now taken snaps outside. I saw Mackenzie Alexander actually takes snaps outside too. If he, by some miracle he plays, Mike Hughes has played a bunch outside. So if that's the case, if one of those guys is in, then they go outside and, and you don't really generate that much of an advantage versus, you know, having Rhodes outside and, and Hughes or Alexander on the inside. Obviously a little less comfortable, I think still advantageous, but like what if one of those guys doesn't play? Then you have Rhodes on the inside, you probably have Waynes on the outside on like Geronimo Allison or whoever, and then on the other side of the field you have like Chris Boyd, and Chris Boyd is ripe to be picked on even against lesser wide receivers like, you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who is like a far cry from like Calvin Ridley like they were facing last week, but still somebody that can probably beat up on Chris Boyd who at this current juncture of his career probably isn't even like doesn't even belong on a 53-man roster. So that's a potential weakness to be exploited if they move Devontae Adams into the slot. Now here's the kicker to all of this, and, and what I think is going to be a huge key to this game is J. Ron Curse. If you can put in J. Ron Curse and trust him against Devontae Adams, I think that's advantage Adams, but I don't think it's as big as, you know, Chris Boyd versus an NFL caliber wide receiver. So if you can trust J. Ron Curse against Adams or, you know, Jaron curse and his own thing against Adams or something, or even kick Jaron curse outside, which is not what he's, uh, really like done very often. I think he's only done like 10 snaps of it ever. And that's probably because motion and stuff, you know, sometimes like slot corners just end up outside because of the way that that alignments are weird. Uh, so I, I wouldn't want to put Jaron curse outside and Rhodes in the slot. I would probably just keep Rhodes outside and curse in the slot on Adams and just hope he doesn't get burned. And if you can trust that, I think that takes away a huge advantage 
that the Packers can possibly have, and it really, like, erases all of the cornerback depth issues that we have going into this particular game. So, in addition to the linebackers especially, and their, their you know, gap fits and stuff, and their ability to read keys and, and, and read play-action plays, and J. Ron Curse's performance as probably the starting nickel, unless uh, Alexander Hughes actually comes in, or I guess I should say, you know, the performance of whoever the nickel is. I think it's probably Curse, but, you know, again, I only have the Wednesday injury report, so I could totally be wrong there. I think the other thing is going to be pressure, right? And now the interior of the Packers offensive line struggled a bunch against Chicago. Akeem Hicks made a, a whole bunch of noise, and I think Linval Joseph could probably do the same in the run game. Uh, he's not so much of a pass rusher. You're going to have to use some of that rotation. This is an opportunity for one of the, you know, lesser quote-unquote pass rushers like Hercules Mata'afa or Jalen Holmes to come in and make some noise. I don't think that Shamar Stefan is going to be able to take advantage of somebody like a, like a Lane Taylor who, you know, is like struggling a bunch. But I also think, and I talked about this on yesterday's show, you know, there is a really cool matchup between the two tackles and the two edge rushers here, right? Griffin and Hunter versus Bakhtiari and Bulaga, and I'm sure that both Griffin and Hunter will kind of move around. Usually, uh, Griffin comes from the right, Hunter comes from the left, but there's no reason not to move them around if you sense some mismatches and stuff. But that has been a battle for the ages that the Vikings have pretty much always had an advantage in in, in the last few meetings of this team when they've been healthy. Uh, so I would really hope that that can continue and that's kind of one of the biggest reasons that I actually feel kind of bullish on the Vikings in this game is because I think the edge rushers can beat these tackles you know Daniil Hunter like I something like four three of his last four games uh, his last like four best games have come against the Packers. He's really good against specifically the Packers. And I think that Everson Griffin can, can, you know, put up a pretty good performance on David Bakhtiari as well. He obviously didn't in the week two game last time these, you know, he met the Packers, but now we know that there was a little something else going on there. And I think that he's back to his 2017 form. And I think that he can make a little noise. Now, Aaron Rodgers, in his age, and I think with the injury last year, he doesn't seem quite as escapable, but I still think that you should play a little contained because he runs very smart and even though he doesn't necessarily have the athleticism that maybe he had when he was like 24, uh, I think he can still punish you if you lose contain and he can get out and, and make some heroics happen. And that's usually how the Packers like generate their best plays, or at least how Aaron Rodgers always has. That's how you beat Aaron Rodgers. You man up the wide receivers, get matchups that you like, even if it means you have to put somebody out of position, like putting Rhodes in the slot so he can still cover Adams. Make sure guys aren't uh, getting immediately open. Don't let give him a, a nice soft zone that he can pick apart. He's an expert at that. And generally, blitzing him is hit or miss. I'd rather just get, you know, good contain with the edges and get up the interior if you can. This would be a huge opportunity for some of those rotational pass rushers to, to, to shine uh, and really show us what they're made of, if they are, are worth being contributors on an NFL team. Now, before we move on to talk about defense, maybe you are thinking about placing a little bit of a wager on this game. And if you do so, I implore you to do so with my bookie. I wouldn't be recommending them if I didn't have good experiences with them myself. At least me personally, I really like their website and the way that it's organized. I really find it easy to go find a game, the spread, the over-under, whatever you want to bet on, the prop bets and stuff. I think it's really easy to go navigate and browse through that stuff. Way easier than any other like betting outlets that at least I'm familiar with, even though I admit I'm a little new to the game. My bookie is fast, it's easy, and they pay you out right when you win. And let's be honest, it matters just as much who you're betting with as who you're betting on. And did you know that MyBookie actually lets you bet on games in the middle of those games? So if you laid down a little money on something, it's not going great, you can go bet the other side, hedge your bet, and make a little bit of that money back. And if you are really feeling confident, 
why not try a parlay where you pick a number of games and if you get them all right, your winnings multiply like exponentially. It's pretty awesome. So head on over to mybookie.ag and they will double your first deposit if you enter promo code locked on to activate the offer. Yeah, they double your first deposit. Go head over to mybookie.ag today. Bet, win, get paid. Okay, let's move on to the Packers defense, which is totally retooled. So there's a whole bunch of new guys on there that we have to get familiar with to prepare for this game. Of course, they got Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. Those are their new outside linebackers. Uh, so I, I actually thought that Riley Reef and Brian O'Neill had a pretty good game against Atlanta, but they're going to be tested in a much different way because these outside linebackers, they're a little bit more like Vic Beasley, who did log one pressure on one of the 10 snaps. I think it was uh, against... I think it was on, on, a, on a stunt, actually. Um, I do know that, at least by PFF charting, Riley Reef and Brian O'Neill both had clean sheets. No pressures allowed against uh, that very interesting but uh, ultimately kind of underwhelming Atlanta defensive line. I, I think the Packers' defensive line looks a little better. They definitely gave fits to the, uh, the the Bears' interior. And we'll talk about the interior in a second, but first, you know, the Smiths, Zadarius and Preston Smith, uh, are, are going to be a good matchup for for Riley Reef and Brian O'Neill. I think Brian O'Neill is kind of, like, made to go against these four, these three, four outside linebackers, you know, these uh, Von Miller types. They're usually a little bit lengthier. They're usually a little bit quicker. They're not so much into, you know, the bull power or the speed-to-power kind of rushes. They're much more about trying to get upfield and turning the corner. And I think Brian O'Neill is like really good at specifically preventing that issue or, or, you know, being athletic enough to force those pass rushes to go too far upfield, quarterback can step up into the pocket, and then essentially just by being athletic and keeping pace, you have taken your man out of the out of the play. I think Riley Reef a little bit less so. I don't think he's quite the athlete that Brian O'Neill is, but Riley Reef is still a pretty good left tackle. And uh, I, I think that he'll be able like I, I don't foresee him giving up a whole ton of pressures in this one. Like if there is a bunch of pressure I see it coming from the interior where Kenny Clark is like fixes to be a wrecking ball now I spoke about Kenny Clark to Peter Bukowski yesterday and he basically said that like yeah he's like not Grady Jarrett but I think he can still produce and I I agree with that Uh, I think Grady Jarrett's probably a better player than Kenny Clark but Kenny Clark is pretty good Uh, they don't have Mike Daniels anymore thank goodness Mike Daniels was a wrecking ball every time he played the Vikings Uh, but still you have Garrett Bradbury and Pat Elfline they're gonna have to go one-on-one against Kenny Clark at different points in this game and that's going to have to like not be a disaster if the Vikings want any hope of establishing a passing game here. Now of course in in run defense, run defense has been an issue for the Packers forever. Maybe with this new retooled front it won't be so much. Uh, it'll probably be better than what Atlanta showed. Atlanta's run defense looks really horrible uh, against Dalvin Cook. Obviously, you know, he pretty much took over that game. But I do definitely like the Vikings offensive line more in the run than I like them in the pass. We'll see how Elfline and Bradbury do. I'm sure it'll be something that that everybody will be keeping a, a very close eye on. Uh, but, you know, in, in the corner, in the secondary, they are really, really interesting, right? Uh, they have Darnell Savage, who played really well. They have uh, Adrian Amos now, who comes over from the Bears. Those are their two safeties, and that's that's really interesting. They have Jair Alexander, who looks really good. Uh, and so in terms of secondary play, I actually think they have a tool set to at least limit Diggs and Thielen, but I don't think they have enough to just like shut them down entirely. 
And then it becomes a matter of, like, how do you feel about, like, Blake Martinez in coverage? Which, unfortunately, I didn't get around to asking Peter Bukowski about. We were already, like, way over time, so I, I didn't have anything else. But I think that'll be really interesting, because what we didn't really see in the Atlanta game, because we didn't have to see it, was all of the usage of tight ends. We saw a ton of awesome usage of tight ends in the run game. The tight ends in the run game, I think, were actually one of the keys to winning that game, uh, just because there were some great blocks from Irv Smith, especially some good blocks from Kyle Rudolph, good blocks even from Brandon Dillon, which is awesome because Brandon Dillon was really bad at blocking in the preseason. Of course, he's not on the team anymore, so that probably won't come into play, but, you know, Tyler Conklin will take his place. But now what I want to see is, you know, take advantage of their, you know, smaller front, that 3-4 thing. And, you know, put in three tight ends, and I actually think that this offense can operate normally. We saw times against Atlanta where three tight ends would enter the huddle, and that means that they would send out all their linebackers and stuff, and then two of them would split out wide, and you'd have, like, a pretty classic, like, shotgun 11 personnel formation, but with two tight ends, and now they've got the wrong personnel out there. I think that you can take advantage of that with any team, and I think that Green Bay is unlucky to draw the Vikings uh, in Week 2, because usually, I mean, they, the, the polish issue that usually comes with the new offensive staff apparently isn't uh, taking place here. You know, the Gary Kubiak run scheme and all that stuff, all the new stuff seems really polished and the Vikings seem like they're all on the same page in a way that they really weren't until like week 10 last year. But specifically the run game stuff, which does include some new concepts and, and other blocks. You know, the Vikings had been running a zone scheme, I think, for a couple years here now. Pretty much since they got Dalvin Cook, they'd been running a zone. So they understand the blocks and the technique and stuff. Uh, but they're executing it on such a, a clean level. Not everybody is winning their blocks, but in a zone scheme, like I explained on the Tuesday show, in a zone scheme... You don't need everybody to win their block, you just need everybody to, like, generally do the right thing, which is something the Vikings couldn't accomplish in 2018. Looks like they're doing a better job of it in 2019. And so what you get is you don't get any of the, for the Packers, they don't get any of the pros of facing a team with a new offensive staff in Week 2. Like, it kind of looks like the Vikings are getting, and they get all of the cons in that you don't have a whole lot of scouting of, like, Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski with this particular, like, we don't really know what they're going to do with the pass game. I think you kind of can tell with the pre season they should prepare for bootlegs and rollouts and you know some of those like longer developing flood concepts and stuff uh in addition to all of the the screens and shorter passing and utilizing tight ends up the seam for your deep shots and and obviously certain looks that are just designed to get Diggs or Thielen one-on-one with their second corner uh that's going to always be a staple of any Vikings offense with those two people, any offensive coordinator worth his salt is going to work some of that stuff in. But what those concepts look look like and how to prepare for them is a lot harder to discern and guess when all you have is preseason tape. So I think Mike Pettin's got his work cut out for him, at least from a strategic level. From a talent level, I think the Packers defense out-talents the Vikings offense. I don't think that should come as a surprise to anybody just because of the state of the offensive line. But I think from, like, if you just compared skill players, the Vikings have better skill players. I've taken Cook over Aaron. Aaron Jones. I'm taking, you know, Diggs and Thielen, even with like Doxon and BB being the next guys. I'm taking the Vikings wide receivers of the Packers wide receivers all day. And I'm probably taking the, the Vikings. Yeah, I'm totally taking the Vikings tight ends. I'm taking Rudolph and Irv Smith over like Jimmy Graham's whatever's left of him. And, uh, Robert Tanyan, I'm definitely taking the Vikings tight end. So from a skill player's perspective, I think the Vikings have the advantage. I guess the Vikings have a quarterback advantage because Aaron Rodgers is inaccurate now. We talked a little bit about it on yesterday's show, so I won't go into it this time. But I mean, his accuracy is kind of a storyline for them and not in a good way. 
Uh, so I guess the Vikings have the advantage there. I, I think that the Packers have the advantage in the trenches, uh, but not on both sides of the ball. I think the Vikings defensive line has the advantage there. I, I'm, I'm taking the Vikings in this game. I, I don't think that it's even like a homer opinion. I think the Vikings can at least cover, and I think that they can win if they don't do any dumb mistakes. You know, we always see that kind of thing in divisional games. Last year in the Lambeau game, the weird tie, there was a punt block, there was a fluky interception that led to that stuff. There was some fluky stuff on the other side, too. There was a a questionable call that all the Packers fans always bring up, which I find kind of funny because they benefited from a similar call earlier in that game, but I digress. There were a couple of throws from, from Kirk Cousins in that game that are absolutely not replicable, just by humans. I mean, they were insane. Uh, so there was a lot going on in that, that Lambo game last year, that weird, weird tie that I think may, if you stripped out all the fluky stuff, I do think that the Vikings win that game. Uh, but I also kind of felt like in that game, the Packers were a much better team than they are now. I think the 2018 Packers was just a better roster, at least on the offensive side of the ball, but we'll see what kind of, uh, octane that Packers defense can bring. That is going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Vikings, this week of Locked on Vikings. Thank you guys so much for listening and hanging out. As always, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. You can find the show anywhere you find your favorite shows like Spotify, Himalaya, uh, Podbean, whatever you like. And if you don't like any of those services or if you're a commuter, you can always ask your smart device to play podcast Locked on Vikings. I will see you all next week with a recap of the Vikings Packers game. And as always, Skull. Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked On Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked On Wolves. And we'll catch you next time.